Hey everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star, and I am grateful for you listening to the 31st episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. The goal, as always, to be worth your time. Uh, This week we're going to do that with some points about the Chiefs as they enter the second half of the season, a batch of questions that really just went off the rails. And uh, the best thing I heard all week, which came from Tershawn Wharton, the uh, the Chiefs rookie surprise from the established football powerhouse of Missouri Science and Technology. Uh, you guys, the Star is running a special promotion for the Sports Pass right now. A uh, dollar a month for three months of all of our sports coverage, including more original Chiefs content that you can find anywhere else. You can find that on our website or just reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or email and I'll send you the link. Um, okay, the Chiefs. Uh, the news of the week is that the facility was shut down temporarily after a positive COVID-19 test that the NFL Network reported to be head athletic trainer Rick Burkholder. Uh, then star defensive tackle Chris Jones was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. Um, I was told Jones is there because of contact tracing, not his own positive test, uh, at least as of you know Thursday afternoon. Uh, presumably his exposure was from Burkholder while getting treatment. And it's worth noting that Mitchell Schwartz uh, and Sammy Watkins are among the other players recently getting treatment and that they were not placed on that list. Um, purely from a football point of view, and I cannot stress that enough, like purely from a football point of view, um, it's not horrible timing, right? Um, the Chiefs are a 12-point favorite against the Panthers this weekend, and, and then they have the bye. So uh, assuming that Jones is, you know, doesn't have symptoms and, and doesn't test positive, uh, neither one of those are givens, obviously. Uh, he'd miss just the game this weekend, uh, rest during the off week, and be ready for second half of the schedule that, that really comes in hot. You got the, the revenge game against the Raiders, then at the Bucks, and then a finish that also includes the Saints, Dolphins, and Chargers. Uh, the Chiefs have been relatively unaffected by COVID. Um, you know, they, they tell you it's protocols and discipline, right? Um, and there's something to be said for that. I'm not dismissing it, but there's also luck. And, you know, I guess what I mean by that is if, if you avoid COVID, it's not necessarily because you've been perfect about distancing and masks and everything else. And if you get COVID, it's not necessarily because you went to, you know, like a crowded house party. We can all be in charge of of, of increasing our odds of getting it or, or, or diminishing it. But at some point, um, there is a little bit of luck involved, uh, too. And that, that can be good or bad. Um, look, like for a lot of reasons, you know, let's hope this thing doesn't spread around the organization. And, you know, for even more reasons, let's hope the case numbers in and around Kansas City don't continue to rise. Um, you know, I don't know what, about you guys, but like... I can count six to eight friends or like entire families um, that I know who are just isolating now, um, either from an exposure or a positive test. Um, What a mess. Um, So anyway, uh, the Chiefs, football, uh, let's talk about the Chiefs and football. Um, The Panthers are going to get Christian McCaffrey back from injury, and um, he is a a lockdown superstar. Um, he, He presents a lot of interesting matchups, particularly in the passing game. And I'm hoping that means that this is one of those games that Willie Gay plays like 30-some snaps instead of, you know, six. Uh, Not because of any, like, particular expectation I have of of Gay's performance, but I really do believe he'll be a growing part of this defense as the season goes along. And it's just fun, you know. I mean, maybe this is the nerdy part, but it's just fun to see young and talented players put in those challenging spots. And, uh, you know, opportunities like this are important for him to, you know, continue to get comfortable as a pro. 
Um, but really, like the Panthers are kind of a flat team. Um, they're not amazing at any particular part of football, and they're not terrible at any particular part of football. You know, at least not statistically. Like, l- listen, this, this is pretty crazy. They are 19th in offense and 15th in defense. <laughs> they are 19th in passing and 18th in rushing. They are 15th in pass defense and 20th in rush defense. They are appropriately 16th in DVOA. They are right in the middle. Um, you know, it's like the old George Costanza line, a C-plus student, you know, not getting ahead, not getting behind. But, uh, you know, unless there's like some particular matchup advantage that I'm just unaware of that the Pat- Panthers have over the Chiefs, like this game, and this is true for most of the games that the Chiefs play, it's going to be more about them and less about the opponent. Um you know, this Chiefs team, this particular Chiefs team, it is rare, I guess in a lot of ways. But one way is that you can't really look at any particular part of their operation and just say it's like this glaring weakness, right? Like the run defense needs to be better. Um, but we've been saying that for like four years and it hasn't really been holding them back. Um, I'm curious about Legereus Sneed. Um, you know, the Chiefs put him as designated to return this week. Uh, so maybe we'll see him. Uh, Sammy Watkins is doing some work, though, you know, honestly, like if I'm the Chiefs, I probably feel like I can win this game without those guys and might be inclined just to hold them back. And then, you know, you get double the rest, right, with the bye week and then uh, you get them back strong uh, for the stretch run. But there there are some things that I want to see. I guess maybe these are kind of straightforward, um, but the, I, I can think of seven uh, in particular that I'm going to try and look for this uh, this weekend. Uh, one. I want to see, you know, whether that that general focus that we kind of wondered about against the Jets, I want to see if that stays, uh, you know, like it was against the Jets and really like it has been since the Raiders game. Uh, Two, I want to see if Patrick Mahomes continues to get better about not drifting in the pocket and, you know, that sort of that, that feel for when to break. Uh, three, I want to see if the offensive line, and uh, it looks like this will be at least one more week without Mitchell Schwartz, but I want to see if those guys can help Mahomes feel comfortable enough to stay in the pocket, you know, just that beat or two longer. Uh, four, uh, I want to see if McCole Hardman continues to work his way into a bigger part and, you know, see if we can see even more signs of him, you know, sort of being able to think along with Mahomes and, and finish plays. Five. I want to see how the linebackers fare against, you know, not just the run game, but in covering McCaffrey out of the backfield. Uh, six, I want to see Charvarius Ward. I want to see how he attempts to work his way out of what he's, you know, just called. He's been pretty honest about uh, about a slump that he's in right now. And then seven, I want to see if special teams can continue to, you know, sort of slowly work its way out of an early season slump. Look, none of these goals are like superficially fascinating right and i'm quite confident by by the time this game is over on sunday we'll be distracted by like some shiny object like you know two sacks by frank clark or interception by tyron matthew or big day by kelsey or some magic trick by mahomes but you know these games are about the long view now right um you know even the ones against the bucks and the saints um raiders and dolphins and chargers those games are more interesting than than we might have thought a month ago or before the season but all these games are still about the Chiefs, like creating the best version of themselves to show the world during the playoffs. Cause look, like we know that their best is going to beat anyone else's best and they're on the right path to, to, to getting there, uh, to peaking during the playoffs, but we're still only halfway to the games that matter. That's a hell of a thing, by the way. Either way, however this goes, half the way, you know, like it means we are either have half a season for something to go wrong, right? Um, or we have half a season for the Chiefs to get even better from here. And, you know, the thing is, when you think about that, we're on like, what, 
three straight years of evidence that this group is steadily getting better all the time. Um, it's pretty remarkable, uh, really. Um, okay, uh, before I move on to the rest of the show, um, this podcast is now free, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you one more time to join us behind the paywall. Uh, we work hard to bring you information and perspectives that you can't get in other places. Uh, we have the most journalists working in the Chiefs beat, the most combined experience around the team, the most perspectives. Um, please help support us by giving the Sports Pass a try. Again, uh, you can join for $1 a month for the first three months or $30 for a year. Um, you can find those links online or just reach out to me, Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and I'll send them along. Um, okay, quick break, and then we will be back with some questions. Um, if you'd like to participate in next week's show, and please participate in next week's show, uh, call 816-234-4365. 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Uh, put the number in your phone, call anytime, 816-234-4365. Uh, okay, uh, quick break, and then we'll be back with those questions. Hi, Sam. This is Brad calling from Los Angeles, California, and I'm just wondering, what do you think the reason there's such high scores in all of football, college, and the pros this year? Uh, at first, I thought it was because the defenses didn't get any preseason time, but we're now four or five games into the season, and teams are still scoring 40, 50 points every single game. Why do you think that is? Thank you. So I don't I don't have the college numbers handy, um, but this is a real thing in the NFL. Uh, points, touchdowns, the percentage of drives ending in points, um, all of those numbers are up ten percent or more from last year. Um, it's worth noting, um, just to you know be fair, scoring does tend to dip in the second half of seasons, but this is a significant enough jump to assume that there is some you know some signal in the noise, if you know what I mean. So um, everybody's got their own theories. Uh, mine are pretty straightforward. Three in particular. First, like. I do think that the offseason is part of this. Um, you know, it's in the same with every team, right? Because, you know, some have quarterbacks and coordinators and receivers that are all trying to get to know each other in sort of, a, you know, a speed dating situation. But it's easier for offenses to stay sharp, you know, without games and defenses. Um, you know, offenses can run routes and play against air, um, you know, but defenders really need guys to cover and chase, you know, like dogs at the track with the rabbit. You know, they just don't run as well without it. Um, second, uh, I believe that the NFL, um, at least, like we're seeing better quarterback play than ever. Um, I really do believe that. There, there's no perfect stats, but it's interesting to me. Um, Tom Brady is 13th in QBR. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is 19th. Lamar Jackson is 20th. Um, you know, Brady, for whatever it's worth, is second in the Football Outsiders metrics, but you know the others are ranked pretty similarly there too. So um, I, I don't bring this up to knock any of them. Um, I bring it up as an argument that there are that many quarterbacks performing better than those guys. And, you know, all of whom we know are good enough to win. Um, so if, if that's the case, we know there's got to be some good quarterbacking going on. And, you know, maybe this shows my age, but, you know, at least for me, it's not hard to remember a time when there were like eight good starting quarterbacks, you know, on a good day. And then like the league was just filled with 35 backups. Um, you know, we, we can all look at it different. But to me, like, listen to these 10 quarterbacks. Um Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Herbert. 
uh, you can quibble with that list. And, you know, some of you might be rolling your eyes about, you know, Tannehill or Herbert, but those guys are having great years. And that list doesn't include, you know, Drew Brees, um, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr. I know, I know, I know, but he's having a really good year. Uh, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Matt Stafford, Jared Goff. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. You know, the guys playing quarterback now, you know, very generally speaking, they're more prepared than ever. They're more athletic and they're throwing to better athletes. Um, the third theory, this is sort of related, and that's that these quarterbacks, uh, they're also playing at a time when it has never been better to be a quarterback. And, you know, some of this is because of, you know, what we know about concussions now, and some of it is just marketing, but the league just continues to tilt rules toward the offenses and quarterbacks. You know, every week we see hits on a quarterback that, that would have been clean a few years ago, but now they're drawing flags. We see cornerbacks, um, you know, flagged for light contact. They even stopped calling a lot of holds on the offensive line. So those guys are able to, you know, hold on a little bit, a little bit longer and give their quarterback an extra beat to throw. Um, those little margins, they all add up. And, you know, so my guess, and obviously this is just a guess, that's all anybody can do, but my guess is that the most important factors are those last two, the better quarterbacks playing with rules that, that favor them more than ever. And um, because of that, I think that we'll continue to see scoring uh, rise next year, the year after, and, and, and on and on until something else changes. So, uh, okay, let's get to another question. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, that is apparently someone calling in to meow like a cat. I hope it was Matt Derrick. The real ones know. Um, but this is what I get for challenging you people to make me laugh. Um, sorry. Let's get to another question. So, questions to be answered. A little bit of a delicate topic here, but if you don't change your towel out after your shower every day, my fiance is saying it's gross because my downstairs was cleaned by towel yesterday. But does it, doesn't the towel forget everything overnight? Or what's the deal? Do towels have memories, I guess is what I'm asking? Gosh, dang it. Um, I need to stop encouraging you animals. Is Sam Mellinger too extreme for Kansas? I'll tell you this. Um, if I ran for public office, it would be on a pro-teacher, anti-clown platform. Uh, we would reestablish our nation's standing in the world in part by strict punishments for companies that label salsa hot when it's really mild. And I'd also do something to stop Velveeta from price gouging. Uh, they have a delicious product, but $8 for a box is outrageous. All right, let's get to a real question, please. Hey, this is a question for Mellinger Minutes. Do piggyback rides affect quarterback ratings? Take care. I'll take it. That's close enough to a real question. Um, because one thing that's been really clear to me, obvious this week, is that uh, when Mahomes put Tyreek Hill on his back and ran toward the bench, I was not the only one wondering how quickly Brett Veach was going to rework the contract, include you know like piggyback rides with pickup basketball and everything else Mahomes can't do. Um, also, uh, was that the most talented piggyback ride in American sports history? Makes you think. Um, okay, one last question here, and this is the closest we've got to a real question. Thank you. Why were gold glove winners announced on election day? The reason is because the people who run Major League Baseball are amazingly and consistently, and if you didn't know better, you'd even say stubbornly terrible at marketing their product. Uh, Major League Baseball is a 
pretty terrific product, if we're honest. You know, the sport has some problems. I'm not gonna, you know, <laughs> I'm not stupid. The 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 sport has some problems with with pace of play, too many strikeouts. You know, I'm gonna grant you that. Um, and you know, short of prohibiting batters from stepping out of the box and enforcing, you know, an even shorter pitch clock. I'm just not sure what the solution is. Um, but I'm also with some of the scouts I talked to in that, you know, this game, Major League Baseball, it has never been as athletic as it is now. Uh, it's never been as full of just freakishly fast and spinning and breaking pitches. Uh, never been filled with so many great hitters, so many great athletes. Uh, you know, these highly trained elite athletes like pushing the boundaries all the time. And all of that is happening. And, you know, baseball's response is to, like, fill the headlines with these, like, tone-deaf labor negotiations, uh, you know, and accentuate the problems created by a pandemic by limiting the number of games played and continuing this, like, boneheaded blackout policy, you know, making the sport harder to see instead of easier when people had more time than ever to watch. Um, you know, some of the best athleticism in the game happens on defense and that baseball chose to honor that part of the sport when, you know, election coverage and they knew this election coverage was going to get, you know, Super Bowl level TV ratings. And it's just stupid. And and 100, if we're honest, like 100 percent on brand for the way that the sport presents itself. Like baseball is such a great game. Um, you know, I, I get that it's not for everybody. Um, really, I do understand that. But for the people that love it. It has this way of getting inside you and like opening your imagination and brain and your heart. And, you know, for those of us in that group, it's often just like stunning how hard the people in charge make it sometimes to love the sport. Um, you know, it's like that, <laughs> that that old line from like Jerry Maguire, right? Like, help me help you. Help me love you. Um, it shouldn't be this hard. Okay. Um, anyway, sorry. Uh, that's it for the questions for this week. Uh, I appreciate everyone who called in, uh, even those I couldn't get to. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to challenge you guys to, uh, you know, like a laugh off again next week, but we're, we're, we will have plenty of space in the show next week uh, with the Chiefs on their bye week. So if you have something we think that you think we should talk about, sports or otherwise, uh, please let me know. Just call 816-234-4365. Almost literally any question. Uh, put the number in your phone. Call anytime. 816-234-4365. Um, okay, uh, one more quick break, and then we are back with the best thing that I heard all week. Okay, you are probably becoming a little more familiar with the story of Tershawn Warden. Uh, Sam McDowell is going to have a great story up on the website soon about his path from University City High in St. Louis to Missouri S&T to a Chiefs training camp surprise to a legit rookie standout on a deep defensive line. Um, at least in Wharton's telling of the story, he wasn't like overlooked out of high school, just sort of undersized. Um, you know, he's now listed at six foot four, two 255 pounds, you know, basically the, the same size as Frank Clark. Um, he does play inside some, but, you know, he makes up for that for his relative lack of size. And I like, sorry, it just makes me kind of giggle that the, in the NFL, you can be 6'4", 255 and, and undersized. But he makes up for that with, you know, speed and quickness, technique, tenacity. 
Um, the Chiefs, coaches and players, they have been universal in their praise of Wharton. And, you know, that is from the moment they signed him as an undrafted free agent to now when he is pro football focus's third best rated rookie defender. Um, but anyway, I, I bring all this up right now because the Chiefs put Wharton on a Zoom call this week. And uh, McDowell asked him how, how he prepared from, you know, to go from Missouri S&T to the NFL. And, and I just thought his answer was perfect and, and something that deserves to be heard. Um, okay, here it is. Oh yeah. Uh, so I mean, like you said, it's not it's not the way that to go. And uh, I mean, it was always the plan. It was always a childhood dream. And uh, just being there, I knew I would have to work harder. As far as not just uh, not saying my, anything bad about my coaches, but I just knew a different level of coaching was out there. So I took a few a uh, few steps of going out and finding training myself and just pushing myself through the off season. Because at that level, you know, people don't really push themselves through the off season. So. I just pushed myself through the off season, reaching out to different uh, trainers and making sure that uh, I was going to be able to compete not only at my level, but if I did get talent in front of me that was higher, I could compete with them as well. You guys, um, I feel like a lot of you probably know me well enough to know like these moments really hit me where like something in sports can be applied to other places, like more important places. Right. And, And this is one of the coolest I've heard in a while. Um, it actually reminds me of something um, that my, my friend Brett Ballard, uh, who, who is now the Washburn men's basketball coach, he says this a lot. But so Brett's basketball path, like it hit every level. He grew up in Hutchinson, you know, small Kansas town, uh, played Juco, then walked on to Kansas. Uh, he was on the staff when they won the national title in 2008. Uh, then he he coached at Tulsa mid-major, then in the ACC, um, then at Baker, and, and now Washburn. And every stop from, you know, Kansas to Baker, Hutchinson to the ACC, everything. He always says, make the big time where you are. I think there's a lot of power in that. And, and that's what Wharton is getting at, too. Um, you know, this is sort of like the old saying about, like, dressing for the job you want and, and not the job you have, right? Um, you know, what Wharton is talking about in that clip, He's talking about uh, being a self-starter, right, of, of having the initiative to work extra when nobody's asking for it. Um, he's talking about being confident in himself of, you know, having the belief that he could play in the NFL, even as it would have been easier and, and less vulnerable to be just satisfied as, you know, like a D2 standout. Um, you know, he, he's talking about putting himself out there to fail and about being humble enough to ask for help and, and also ambitious enough to ask to, to act, I should say, to act on the advice. Uh, those are some really cool traits that if he wasn't in football, they they help him well, uh, no matter what he was, no matter what he was trying to do. And he's not an anomaly, right? Like sports are full of these underdog stories. They're they're full of you know athletes coming from you know difficult backgrounds or small schools and you know needing work and breaks to be noticed. And that's kind of the rule, not the exception. Like they don't all come from Clemson and Alabama, right? Um, and that's one of the best things about sports. It's, you know, it's not the pure meritocracy that those in charge often present, but it's, it's closer than a lot of industries, a lot of other industries, right? So, uh, whenever these stories happen, like they, they always make me wonder about how many others like Tershawn Wharton are out there, you know, like how many others like Lorenzo Kane, who, you know, didn't play baseball until he was a sophomore in high school and was so raw to the game that he didn't know there was a draft until he was actually drafted. I love that story. Uh, you know, how many others are like, you know, Jimmy Butler, like lightly recruited at a high school, like a two star recruit at a Juco. And, you know, now he's an NBA superstar. And look like there's a line in there somewhere. 
right? Um, you know, some guys don't know when to give it up. <laughs> they put the real world on hold until it's too late. But it, it's cool to see these stories where guys believe in themselves. You know, athletes, like, like all people, um, don't develop on the same timeline. And it's easy for all of us to, you know, get discouraged when we fall behind a little bit. Um, and it takes a lot of perspective and guts to see through that and, and to work to make a bigger future. I just think it's, for the rest of us, it's just cool to see, no matter if it's in sports or, or, or business or theater, whatever, um, it's just a really cool thing to see. Um, okay, uh, anyway, that's the show this week. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope we're worth your time. And if I can impose, I hope we're worth subscribing to, rating, reviewing. It really helps us get the word out. Thanks as always to Savannah Smith for putting this together. And uh, thanks to everybody who called in, um, you know, even those we couldn't get to. And again, the biggest thanks to you for listening. Um, let's do it again next week. Have a good weekend. Be kind. <laughs>